We're live, we're kicking, and on today's episode, I have Kieran McGregor from the Sports Forever Foundation. How are you doing, Kieran? Not bad, mate. How are you, Kieran? All good, thanks. Thanks very much again for coming on. No well, problem. <laughs> as you know, this is our second time trying this, but hopefully we <laughs> smash it out, mate. So, like all my guests, I like to take them back to the start. Wherever it started for, for you, mate, where you grew up, mm. uh, and how it all then panned out in your younger years. Aye, uh, grew up in a place called Polk. Just kind of next to Silverman area and that. Yeah. Cracking place to grow up right enough, a bit deprived, a bit rough, but it's just like any scheme in Glasgow really, and it is what you mm-hmm. make it and how you, how you go about it. But I, growing up, I was just a sporty kid, mate, into athletics, football, tennis, badminton, and we had the facilities to do it available to us without having to fucking break your bank, you know what I mean? Yeah. A lot of parents couldn't really afford to put many people into mm-hmm. all the types of sports, so. Aye, we had we had a few community centres around kind of Polk and Priest Hill when I was growing up, which kind of kept me off the streets at a very young age. Yeah. Do you know what I mean, so I wasn't really exposed to maybe the drink or drugs till a wee bit later in life. But right. as soon as you as soon as you touched the streets, it was available. Like, mm-hmm. know what I mean, as soon as I was like go to go in the streets, that's it available. To wait, 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 ages, mate. Did you start getting exposed to drinking drugs? Fourteen, fifteen, yeah, sixteen before dating. Oh. We drink. I was drinking a lot of. I was binge drinking a lot at 15, 16, aye, but yeah. the, the drugs didn't start till maybe a wee bit later for me. But the people I was around were, were taking fucking eckies, cocaine, eating they could at a young age, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? So as soon as you were on the streets, exposed for that. But it started maybe 14, maybe even younger, maybe 13, for the gang fighting and stuff that we had. It was really, really rife for us growing He's up. He's fighting with other areas and bumping a bit pot. I was mere. I was made a sound one, I didn't really, didn't like fighting with cunts and that, mm-hmm. I liked all the boys for all the other schemes, but my pals and that, they were fighting like fuck everybody and they just have meeting points to go down and fight with other schemes, <laughs> you know what I mean, you're like, what the fuck, did but any, I'd be quite walking about there. Did any series happen to MDR? Oh, right, aye, there was, there was plenty, like, there was stories of, down in Polk, there's a place called the Big Park, right. and they used to be fucking young team in the cross that would be fighting, that, that was the two gangs, mm-hmm. and they'd fight across a bridge. But there was a boy that got fucking fucked with a golf club. He right. got put in intensive care for days and days and days. He was fucked, like, really, really, really fucked for it. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're like, are these boys going to continue to do this fucking two days out? They're doing the same thing again, do you know what I mean? Yeah, there's a boy lying in. Aye, the boy's care. fucked. But then when we all grew up and now, I'm looking at all the boys that used to fight and that. They're, they're all pals each other now. And yeah. you're like, what the fuck was all that for? <laughs> fucking postcode wars, you know what I mean? So, I think it's how you're, it's how you're brought up. Aye, right? and aye. You just... I think is what you're saying there is when you're saying you're in gangs or you're younger, you look up to the older boys, mm-hmm. don't you? And that's yeah. what they're all doing. And then you end up fucking taking the mantle. And they, they move on with their life, don't they? Mm-hmm. Getting jobs or whatever <laughs> it may be. When you were growing up in Portman, did you have any aspirations to like, play football or doing like that? Because you said you were quite sporty. Or? Well, I'd always thought I'd maybe, I'd always been to sport. I'd always follow a, a kind of rooting sport until, yeah. until I kind of got to a certain age when I was in school at 16 well 15, 16 when the school had pulled us in and they're like passing us on to training courses and stuff but at that point like everybody's saying fucking a trade's gold dust or gold dust like, everybody was saying you need to get a trade you need to get a trade you need to get a trade and that was like that's all I thought of my head wait at 15 know what I mean I'm like fuck need to get a trade man so that's all I started looking for was trades mm-hmm. but I think you've highlighted a good point there mate is People have got all these creative things or they're talented mm-hmm. in sport and then mm-hmm. you get your mum and your dad or whoever it is at school, right? You need to get a job, you need right. to fucking go and get a, a trade, right. whatever it may be. 
And why why no as a as a parent or a, a guardian like if you see somebody with a bit of talent, why no invest in them for a couple of years? Because mm-hmm. what you're essentially doing is you're taking their best years away from them. For, for, for 16 onwards, you're taking their fucking best years away and they've got to, they've got to work for less than minimum wage. Mm-hmm. I went for an athlete to fucking a plumbing apprentice. Yeah. So I was going for... I went straight in, it was like, I was making, what, £1.20 an hour or something? Which yeah. was £60 a week for a whole year. That's what they were paying me. Mm-hmm. And like, for me, like, fucking a wee guy, I'd never really had money, so... As soon as I started earning, it was like, fuck it, straight into that. Know what I mean? right, and when you start earning at that age, mate, you're like, right, I can go and buy a bottle of fucking bucket and, that, and that's, <laughs> how, that's, that's, how it, that's, that's how it rolls. And then just started, ended up on the streets with it, aye. And how was, is that what you went and done? You went and done a plumbing apprenticeship when you left school? No, it was straight into a Tigers course, which was right. like a kind of course for, it was just training for like to get your CICS card and that, and I think it was just kind of to build your CV and stuff mm-hmm. like that, so that you could apply for kind of jobs, but... I don't think there was any end product to it. I think I was very, very lucky in, in getting the apprenticeship because I went to a, it was a building in Shettleston. It was just a wee community centre that, right. that held the kind of classes and stuff. And as soon as I went in, right, you're sitting there, there's 20 boys running this fucking table. Every one of them, right, I'm looking at them all and they've all got a fucking glass bottle on the table. <laughs> And I'm sitting there and I've got a shirt and a tie and fucking... With a glass bottle of brew, is it? Nah, it's just glass <laughs> bottles everywhere. So I'm sitting there and I'm, I thought it was an interview I was got to, but the class was starting. Right. I'm walking about and I'm like, all oh, these cunts are fucks, man. They're all, they're all like a scrap like fuck. So they're off a different scheme straight away and right. you could see it starting within there. So I was like, why the fuck have I been put in this environment? Mm-hmm. And it was pretty quickly to get noticed that we had the staff and that. They managed to get me into a placement pretty quickly in that which right. was a plumbing company which oh, cool. probably was the best opportunity out of that training course do you know what I mean so aye I did benefit with it but it wasn't me that chose my path it was somebody else it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's right, just getting back to what we were talking there about proper support when you're mm-hmm. young or if you have get talent because my background was coming from playing football mate I played with Rafe played with Hamilton mm-hmm. but I never when I got to a vital age, like 15, 16, 17, 18, I never had that support network mm-hmm. behind me to push me or put me in the right direction, guidance, guidance away from the mm-hmm. drink, the drugs, and actually go, right, go and give this a proper go mm-hmm. for a couple of years mm-hmm. see, uh, and see where it takes you. A true mentor, a true fucking leader, mate. That's all we need. And, like, young people need it in their lives. They need one good adult. Mm-hmm. See if they've got one good adult that will stick by them through their life, they're going to go somewhere and... That's what we were, I think we were, the older generation, maybe thought it was better to leave us to learn ourselves, maybe mm-hmm. at 16 and that, but I believe you need mentors, you need fucking, you need guided through that part of life, do you know what I mean? So that that's one of the main aspects why I'm on the route that I'm on. 100% agree with you, mate, about mentors <coughs> and role models, because everything that when you're younger is learned behaviours, mm-hmm. and that's probably why I've followed the path I, I followed until I look back and go, fuck it, I looked at all the mistakes, had to learn for them myself. Mm-hmm. When you started your plumbing apprenticeship, mate, what was that What was that like and what was the steps like? And did you enjoy it? Truthfully, when I first started it, I, I loved it. I, I loved the work, I loved the, the, the graph, I loved um, just getting out every morning, going somewhere, fucking new places all the time. And I actually liked the aspect, I see like we were going into like, just say it was a new hospital that we were building and stuff. I liked seeing all the ins and outs of that. Do you know what I mean? I thought that was pretty cool. But what ruined it for me was the the people and the and the plumbing. Right. It was just a it's, a it's a weird industry, man. I don't know what it is with the construction industry, but what was the tradesmen like you were learning off of? The tradesmen were some of the best plumbers I've ever worked with in my life, and even to this day, I've. 
past all that time, fucking great plumbers, but the fucking attitude towards things was just a bit, what the fuck, do you know what I mean? Mm. Bullying wee guys and that, the way they treat wee guys, and nah, it was just a fucking silly, silly, silly culture that they bring onto the, the, the plumbing game, and they try and keep it, they still try and keep it, but that's how I fell away. What, what, was, what was a day like in, in your apprenticeship, mate? A day down there, finish it was sound, man. Like, it depended, as you said, it depended who you worked with. Right. Like, some guys, like, they, they would like you, yeah, they would go on with you, they'd fucking just let you walk away, or some guys would maybe be like, oh, you're a wee arsehole, you're a wee useless prick, you're a wee useless <laughs> fanny. Like, everything today with you was useless, you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. you starting at 16 year old and getting that for four or five years, mate, you and think you're useless by the end of that, you know what I mean? That's, yeah, that's all you're going to think. So, like, fucking, the people and the role models and the people you were looking up to and the people that. Like, me as a kid at 16 year old was meant to be looking up to as a fucking leader they weren't their leaders mate. Do, you, do you think though these the different types of tradesmen so the one who would help the young boy his mentor or his tradesman that showed him helped him that way and the tradesmen that showed the other tradesmen like them. you're a fucking me arsehole and, mm-hmm. and they've just learned and they think that's what they date them that's does it. that make sense aye well I, I, I exactly that's it and I'll be honest I if I didn't do my plumbing apprenticeship, I wouldn't have met some of the people I've met also. I've met some of the best people I've ever met in my fucking life through it as well, do you know what I mean? And even at that, I met an older guy uh, in my first year when I was struggling with plumbing. I, I fucking didn't know how to pick up a screwdriver, mate, and this wee guy showed me how I to do it. I still don't know, know how to I mean? pick up a screwdriver, uh, <laughs> Honestly, it was fucking... I'm trying to screw a screw, and he's like, what the fuck are you doing, man? So like, he actually, like, if I was with somebody else, they'd have fucking ridiculed this yeah. bit, but he sat me down, and he fucking spoke me through everything. Like, my first day on the job, he took me around it all, and he's writing all the, like, what all the materials were on the books and that, yeah. you know what I mean? So still talk to him to this day. So he's my good pal, he's, he's fucking... And in that, in, that, in that period of time, mate, how was your life outside plumbing? Outside plumbing was fucking hit the booze as hard as I could, mm. hit the drugs as hard as I could as soon as Friday hit, paid booze gear. How much were you making on your apprenticeship? Well, for my first, so my first year was a, a first year I'd done a placement, which was still through the, the training course, which was £60 a week. And the fucking, I would get in, in the first year uh, electricians would be like, how much you own that? And they were on 190 a week, so they're laughing at us, you <laughs> know what I mean? They're like, how are you working for that? But then when I get took on, after a fucking full year, it was £3 an hour. Right. Which only worked at 120 a week. Then it was £4 fucking... Did that 120 a week feel like fucking a lot? Ah, yeah, I just used to live doing cash on the Friday and then I'd be away fucking boozing all weekend. <laughs> uh, <here's> a, <laughs> skint uh, come Monday. <laughs> that was it, skint all Eating the time. fucking pot noodles and super noodles all week, <laughs> <isn't> <laughs> it? That was it. Well, luckily I always fucking... I used to meal prep when I was a bit younger, I'll be pasta and that, so I'd always have pasta during mm-hmm. the weeks and that, but... I know, mate. And what was, what was the... What was it like, mate? Like at that period of time, we had mates drinking, we taking drugs as well. Mm-hmm. For me, yeah, the, the gear ended up taking off for me at the weekends. It was wasn't it just the booze before I even I was fucking I was buying three gram of prop, which was costing fucking two hundred pound before you even leave the fucking house on a Friday. Do you know what I mean? So that's the first day before you go. Thing so you're straight out boozing, <laughs> right on it again. You're doing the same the Saturday. You're ticking again, and then you're fucking right through to Sunday morning. Before Friday, Friday comes, mate. You're paying about four hundred pound a week. And you're dug in your tick, your dug bill, mm-hmm. four hundred, and you're only making a hundred and twenty a week. Aye, well, at that point I wasn't as bad. It was me when I got a bit older, and my, my tick bill got higher. But 
when I was oh. young, it was just all the console and that, you know what I mean? So you always say that the more money you make, the more money you I fucking mere, spend on it. That, that was it, mate. That was exactly what happened because for some reason you keep, you kind of keep within your limits, don't you, man? Like, then when you get more money, you're like, fuck it, just go for it. So, was it, what was the drugs like in Pollock around about that time? Was it rife everywhere? Aye, aye, so it's flooded. I grew up in Pollock, kind of free still. There was one fucking gear dealer that everybody knew about, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There was one dealer that every cunt knew and every cunt pretty much went to, but knew, mate, on, on my street in Brock Road, you're like, there's fucking five gear dealers, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. My wee brother was, like, grew up in that street at what, fucking a certain age, you think they're not going to be exposed to that by the, a very young age, man. 100%. Mm-hmm. So, aye, that was that, just exposed to. Fucking how, how is it and pop mate is it really bad the, the in the know. moment or, or in the past the, uh, the past was alright the past was mere uh, I don't know I thought I thought they were alright in the past for the dogs but the, the gears heavy hit bad right. really hit bad like, I don't know anybody that doesn't talk about it normal who hasn't normalised it you want a key you want a bump you want a fucking line you want this no fuck off you know what I mean but it's been normalised too much to a point where everybody's doing it and yeah. it's got a lot younger so and I've highlighted with a few guests on this podcast is how it has been normalised where you're just going out for a night out mm. and it's, as you say, got to the toilet and mm. sometimes it's not even got to the toilet, it's standing in the bar, mate, just taking it and, and boozing and... People get slight of hand now, mate, man. Ah, it's, like, it's because it's became, it's not acceptable, but it has just became part of normal a night out, mm. especially here in, in Glasgow, mate, where we're from. How did that affect, like, that lifestyle, mate, going out every weekend, boozing, fucking gear, how did that then affect and impact you, your mental health? Well, uh, it took a, for me, it was fucking, I was talking to this guy, right, and he says, you, you've binge drinkers, right, it, it takes six weeks for your body to get back to normal. And I just remember the guy saying it to me, and I was, must have been about fucking 24, 25 at the time, and I was like, so you, if you're a binge drinker you drink every week and then you fucking if you've had a drink at the weekend that weekend it takes six weeks for your body to kind of recover back to normal so I was sitting there I was like my body's never fucking recovered man so but through that it was like 10 years from 16 to 20 26 just boozing gear booze gear booze gear every weekend and the effect that I had on me was fucking unbelievable I didn't really realise the effects until later in life when some of my pals started losing their life through yeah. the gear and uh, a lot of my pals started committing suicide and stuff and uh, that's when I really 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 realised the damage I'd done was, that, was that a, was that, that a turning point that for you then? that was a turning point that was it what was that mate? I'd woke up in the morning and funnily enough it was the day I was actually announcing that my charity was coming out mm-hmm. and uh, that morning I went on to Facebook because I was getting an article put out by Glasgow Times so it was just a wee article about the charity, trying to get people to fucking hear about it and stuff. And that morning, I'd looked on Facebook, and my pal Joe had killed himself. He'd, he'd hung himself that morning, and this was a this was a Friday morning. I'm sure, I'm sure it was a Friday morning. We'd woke up and made my, it just snapped my heart into like I'd never felt pain like it in my fucking life, mate. I was just rolling about like it was as if I'd resonated with it so much because I was on the exact same fucking path, on the same, on the same journey. And when I'd found out the story of what pretty much had happened with a few of the boys that had took their own lives, it was due to gear and their tick bill and they couldn't get out of it and some of the messages that people were sending them even after they'd fucking took their own lives. So for me it sounds a bit selfish but it fucked me right in the face. I've never been hit so fucking hard in my life and it snapped my heart. I was greeting, fucking bawling, didn't know what to do. My stomach was just 
had the weirdest feeling in the pit of my stomach, just didn't know where to turn, where to go. This boy was the nicest boy I'd ever met in my life. I grew up with this boy that used to get in the pub, he'd be the happiest boy fucking there, do you know what I mean? And he's, he, this managed to kill him, this managed to end his fucking life. So for that, I just, it was then I realised how far I was in, because mm-hmm. I was thinking about the thoughts and until somebody says to you, see, I've done a suicide awareness, right? And yeah. if, if you work with somebody who you think is thinking about suicide, if you're in your own head all the time thinking about suicide, it's until somebody goes like you, are you thinking about killing yourself? Right. Then it becomes real because it's no real before that because you were in your own fucking head. Right. Nobody knows about it, do you know what I mean? You're walking about and you've got this in your head and you're, nobody knows. So that's until somebody says, right, are you going to do this? That's when the realisation comes across, do you know what I mean? So is, that, is, that, is that like... Would that help them then? If somebody aye, thought, you know, aye. oh God, they'll go maybe a self-awareness going, what aye, the fuck am I thinking about aye, here? Aye, aye, exactly. Like it becomes real for them because in, in your head it's not essentially real, do you get what I mean? It's mm-hmm. just thoughts all the time, you're yeah. just thinking, thinking, thinking. So until somebody says it and then that's, I think that's what kind of happened to me that day. It was like, fuck, it's happened. Like somebody close to me, it's happened to So that's when I realised that could have been fucking me and I'm on the same path. And at that point in April, that was just a... It was a such a domino effect for the one suicide, and a, a three weeks later there was another one. Three weeks later there was another one. A week later another one, and it was just boom, boom. Is this all boys or is there women? In? There was about I would say about nine boys, and then another a lassie after that. So what? Think that's what thrilled me. Why do you think fucking so many men are? are committing suicide? Would you obviously the drugs is the coping mechanism for how they're feeling? But why do you think? Obviously, feeling the need to escape with drugs, and then the drugs is eventually, I'd say, killing them. I feel it might be a, it might be a, a sense of what's the word? That's like oh, purpose, people, people purpose. ignoring that people are actually struggling. It, if you know what I mean. I also people having a sense of purpose. Like if they've no purpose, they don't know where to go. They don't know how to make it better. They don't know where mm. to turn. But. For me, I think it's ignorance for the older generations and maybe the people close to them. And I'm not blaming people because I've got family who really, really struggle with mental health. Who I've got a younger sister who struggles like fuck. She's tried to take her in life multiple times, like so many times. And my biggest fear is it's going to fucking happen. But the problem is, I'm running this big organisation helping people with their mental health, and I can't help the fucking cunt closest to me. Mm-hmm. So the problem with that is, is I think when it's close, you don't know what, there's nothing you can do. You offer all your support, you offer everything you can. And that's what I realised with maybe some of the men is when they try and turn to people, people don't know how to react, people don't know what to say and maybe people say the wrong words. My own personal experience as well coming up with mental health and people close to me say maybe the wrong things to you that they never meant to say. For example, I had a situation where I came out and I was speaking. And I was told by people close to me that you're not the only one with mental health. So to me, like getting told that, I was like, right. So I'm getting a bit like, for me, getting told that if I was at my weakest, I was like, I'd have walked away and just fucking, I wouldn't wanted to be here after that because I'm, yeah. I'm trying to open up, I'm trying to let somebody know what's going on and mm-hmm. I'm just getting told, fuck you, like, everybody's got it. I suppress their feelings and emotions, so, nobody wants to I hear that. I believe it's a lot of ignorance towards it, maybe for the older generation and You've still got the older generation that say, I don't believe in it, it's not real. How the fuck's it not real? We're losing people left, right and centre here. And you're trying to tell me it's not real. And I've even had people, like my pals does and that, who say, I've lost pals to suicide, but I don't believe in it. And I'm like, 
a fucking shit. Is this within the, commu- you, the community you're working in? Well, no so much now. This was a couple of years ago. The community I'm kind of building towards now is, is making awareness to it and showing that it is fucking real and showing yeah. that, that we do need to support it. And no matter what, I, I put myself out there. I don't care what people think of me. I'll put my fucking raw truths out there. And, and the reason I do that is to show people that you can be vulnerable and you can get the help you need, you know what I mean? And I'll be fucking the first one to do it. I'll fucking sit in the fire with you all the time. I, I might not have the right support, but as I said before, I'll sit in the fire with everybody. And on, so, that, on that turning point, is that the catalyst then to really go for it with, oh, your, with the Sports Forever Foundation? Right. At that point, I'm sitting fucking still in debt, 17 stone, <clears> struggling <throat> with gear, struggling with life, and just can't get shit in order mate losing all my kept losing my jobs at that time because of the, the way my mental health went couldn't you keep a job for longer than fucking three months man I'm in a job trying to get shit sorted and focus on kind of building a normal life but I just couldn't I just couldn't couldn't stick to it and for since I started the Sports Forever Foundation it's the only thing I've ever fucking loved in my life and I've been able to stick by like show a bit of commitment to and People say you're gonna burn out helping all these people, but you don't realise see when they tell me their stories how much it fucking helps me. Because I'm like, wait a minute, you're coming to me for help. That inspires me so fucking much. Mm-hmm. They, they, and it shows me that they've not got anybody. There is not a support out there. We have the doctors, the, the, the practitioners and the doctors sending us so many people. They have no support. See, before you <coughs> started helping these people, mate, you obviously said you were still the drugs, you still had the debt, you were still overweight. What steps did you take to help yourself? Because mm-hmm. you'll, know, you'll know yourself doing this charity and I know myself with helping people is the first thing is is us is mm-hmm. because we need to make sure we're mm-hmm. alright we need to make sure our, as, as you say our cup is full so we uh, can then distribute. Mm-hmm. What was your steps to? It was rough as fuck right enough uh, when I when I took a step to quit finally just chuck the booze completely. Didn't really chuck the booze completely I took a step away from it but I chucked the gear and when I done that, I lost a lot of pals, I lost a lot of people. I, I then didn't have anybody to fucking, where did I turn now? But did I do? And it was just me, myself, with that battle. But I, need, I think I needed that. Just sitting down and fucking, I would just sit down every day, watch a lot of podcasts, try and keep myself. Because luckily it was during lockdown, so we were in the fucking house, we had all the time in the world. But I would just listen to podcasts and maybe like listen to people that were getting healthier or how people were doing well in life or. Um, a lot of UFC fighters to be fair I studied a lot of their their mm-hmm. kind of paths and how they did it and I just kind of wanted a better route for people growing up in Pollock and of course we're still going to have the problems you get to 16 we're going to turn to drink we're going to turn to drugs because unfortunately a lot is deal with trauma at a young age and when you deal with trauma what happens is your emotional age dies at that level mm-hmm. so if you've dealt with a trauma at a young age that's why you'll still see fucking adults acting like kids and adults are the ones that are passing this culture on to kids without even realising because they've got a past trauma mm-hmm. so that's what we're trying to bring light to is that it's no fucking all these people are just after nut they've got traumas for young young ages that they, they're using stuff to cover it up if you yeah, get me so, using drink drugs whatever as a coping mechanism and even it, like people want about acting as if they're hard using knives stabbing people like that's all that's our coping mechanism, yep. that's our front. front. Behind that, they're no fucking that person. Like, there's no way you want to go about stabbing people not, do you know what I mean? It's like, a defence survival aye, mechanism. Aye. And I, I'd, I'd said it before, I'd wrote on my Facebook, and it kind of got a lot of shares and that. I was, like, I was insinuating that, that kids having kids, kids taking drugs, kids using knives, fucking 
kids don't know things available to them pretty much but what I was insinuating is it's the adults acting like kids it's us that are passing that culture on mm. it's us that are, that are leading the way for them do you know what I mean so how the fuck can we not show them a better future why do you want to bring your kid up back in the gang fighting that's all starting again yeah all the, all the gang fighting starting in St Paul's again in the school in Paul right so there's like fucking all the Bowery mobs starting all the, the priest they are chasing the car do you know that and I'm like what the fuck you know what I mean it's you need these wee guys to come together and build a community or something like, why do you know I'll get into something and like things like you see quite popular and I know your potties I've seen you taking the groups so it's like the cold water stuff mm-hmm. getting people doing things that are, like being role models to young people showing them that there's a different path in life mm-hmm. that you can do different things that you can do for your, me- your physical and mental health and I know you're obviously big in the cold works you take the boys there all mm-hmm. the time the fasting and, and stuff like that, mm. mate, that's helped you as well, hasn't it? Mm, right, it's changing my life, to be fair, starting the, starting the cold water and that, but uh, truthfully, it was, I used to see a lot of athletes and that, doing it, and a lot of people that do well in life, and I was like, I want to know why they do that. Give me a reason to why they fucking do that, so I, I tried it, but uh, you, you could say to somebody, right, go and try this new AK, like in the scheme, go and try this AK, it gives you some fucking buzz, it gives you a buzz all day, you'll have the best buzz ever. Yeah. They'll gob it, mate, no bother, but come to me, come with me to the water therapy in the morning and jump in this water and you'll get a buzz that you'll never believe, and they'll be like, I saw well. <laughs> like, what the fuck, you know what I mean? Like, what the fuck? That's what, it's, it's like if you could uh, bottle up or put the, the, the cold water therapy into a pill, <laughs> you, you would make a fortune. <laughs> you would. I'm like, they, they just don't listen, they think you're fucking full of shit, but they think you're mad. Yeah. You're the what, was, what was your first experience of uh, cold water therapy? My first experience, I, I went, How did you feel? Uh, before it and after it? Before it, I was shitting myself. <laughs> shitting myself, man. Because like, it was just a wee idea that came in my head. Like, why do all these fucking famous people do it? Why do all these, all these people that are doing well in life do it? So me and my cousin, like, right, when we go down to Lus and try it. But the first time doing it, I was screaming like a bitch. Couldn't, <laughs> couldn't catch my breath, fucking... What, what, uh, man, can you remember what time of year it was? Uh, it was right at the start uh about mid-March. Mid-March. So the water's still cold it's still then. crispy, yeah, aye. Still, <laughs> still freezing. <laughs> aye, it was still, but not, since that, aye, we just got, it was like a, an addiction again. It was like an addiction, just put straight in my fucking head. I was like, even when I drove away, I was like, mm. but as soon as I drove away, I, was like, I fucking loved it. I couldn't stop thinking about it. Mm. I want to get back there and do that again. So it did just start as me, I went to test places out, trying places out, because it started as walks, like I liked walks, like, walking around scenic places yeah, and, then, sure. and then getting in the water and then having like a wee fire on that so it, it started as that but as the group grew like people were like nah I don't like to do the climbing their rocks and shit so it was just like, like it straight in the cold water aye so we kind of went to the locks to do it but that's how it started with that it was just how um, was your fasting mate because we've spoke about this as well uh, how did that change your, your life because I know we've spoke about uh, this and I know it had a big impact on you truthfully I was I was sitting at 17 stone and I, I watched a podcast and it was uh, I can't even who I watched but the, the details that they explained to me in that podcast I just listened and it was stuff like the benefits of fasting and uh, I can't really mind how to get because it was I just I've been doing it for years now, but it's just natural to me. Like, I, I do 24 hour fast near enough, probably four days a week, and then I'll have one day a week where I can eat all day, maybe. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I it started as a own a podcast, but I can't remember what was said or how, it's, how it initially started. So, 
And what was it? What was, what was your first? What, how long was your first fast? You remember? My you first do the 16-8 method. Did I, you? I started barely just like 16 hours, isn't it? But I would always push it. Mm-hmm. I'd always try and push it. So at first, I did struggle with it because I was fucking huge and I ate like fuck. <laughs> yeah, like obviously that's my job, mate. I'm a personal trainer. I train as such, as obviously I know how important nutrition is, mm-hmm. and you'll know like we doing the fasting, we cutting out. The, the, the junk foods and that the sugary starch and stuff it makes you feel 10 times better Aye. then you add a prolonged period into that and you've it's hard to explain for anybody who's no fasted how much energy you've mm-hmm. got mm-hmm. I know and even the energy I get after I see 24 hour fast it's unbelievable like sometimes I'll be out in that bar and I eat something because I've got too much energy I'm just buzzing after I see the fats that it burns it's yeah because your body's man. getting out of ketosis uh, I've never felt it like it and again people don't believe me people are like what you've no eating and you're working out and you're doing this and I'm like I'm serious fucking try it man it's yeah. <laughs> but like you're full of shit. see all this stuff mate that you've obviously the cold water the, how does this then relate into sports forever foundation because I know you like your badminton and that you've mm-hmm. you've pretty much cultivated everything that you enjoy in life and brought it into it and, mm-hmm. and made it so are your thing with you for your experience and you brought it to these other guys how's how's it all panning out it's actually it's panning out amazing to be fair because it's actually i work with this um therapist she's a, actually a trauma therapist and she comes to me all the time and she's like she tells me this, all the scientific fucking shit that i don't know the words she says but she's like you're hitting like four of the points that trauma needs, do you know what I mean? It's with all the stuff you naturally do. So it was like, when it started growing with like people who obviously suicides are fucking struggling with their mental health or struggling with the gear or whatever, started with people coming out as that, but again, they love it and all, so it's changing their lives as we move on and the more I see that, the more I'm like, right, I want to keep doing this, I want to keep adding things, I want to keep being there for these people and stuff how, how did the, the foundation start how big a group was it and what things uh, were you staying right at the start to where it's obviously going now the group was me just me really I'd pulled a few pals in but they'd all they've all got their own lives they didn't know what the fuck was going on do you know what I mean so it was literally just me and uh, try to come up with things today for the charity but Initially, I was like, I need to, right now, I wasn't ready. So back two years ago when I started the charity, I wasn't ready. I was 17 stone. I was only gears. doing your own own self-work as well. I had to work on myself. But what I started was like, right, I can do something at weekends, like the water. And we'll get people together and we'll build something on that. So I knew that I had to do something in the meantime while working on myself. Do you know what I mean? But... uh, So I was juggling a lot, aye. Because burning mine off through this. You're still working? Aye, I still worked through all this and... But I was still dealing with a lot of mind problems. So I kept losing jobs. Like that's the main reason I got into this was through mind mental health and all. Mm-hmm. I want to figure out what what, what opportunities like, I've got for fucking. So the stuff I've not got, I want to give people to get me. Yeah. Because I'm going through it, so I'm like, if I've not got the facilities, then you can't help us. So it came for it. Just it, just where it where it started, how big your group was, and Aye, was how, it, how it evolved. There, the I just year. me doing the water, and that was it. Done that over a year. And how it like and funding as well, because obviously charities don't fucking they don't run in fresh air. Mm. How how's the funding in that working? Well, I funded it myself for the past year and a half. I just that's what I was going back to work for, just to fund it, keep right. funding things, and 
maybe I shouldn't have, but <laughs> it got me to where I was, and that it let me work on myself, and I didn't have to take things too serious at the start. Do you know what I mean? So it gave me time to kind of work on myself and that, and spend that. See, when you say it, you're saying that, did you have a vision for where it's right? Uh, or do you, are you thinking then I'll start this wee group and get people out and I'll be nah. partying what the mental health and it's grey arms and legs? You're like, fuck it. So, first of all, the vision was to, to it's pretty much to give the whole great apart, um the facilities to improve their mental and physical like, well being. So, what I wanted was, like, it's Try to give people a facility to play free sports a lot, do you know what I mean? So the option to get down and play free sports or we have a hall to do free sports, like there'll be badminton on a Monday night, as I yeah, say, like there'll be fucking tennis on a Tuesday, I don't know, there will be a schedule, but whatever the community needs, Mel, do you know what I mean? So uh, Mel wanted to target people's talents, so see like the schools and stuff. Mm-hmm. I want to start working with the schools where like, they'll come to me and go, by the way, this wee boy's fucking quality at this, or this wee lassie's quality at this, and we can go, right, we have the facilities to bring them in, pass them on to the right people, and get them doing a professional route. Get rather them coaching. Than, aye, mm-hmm. even if they're like some, aye, somebody's coaching them to become the best of what they can be. So that's that is a main purpose of why I started this is to get the best out of, uh, out of humans. You know what I yeah. mean? Because I know for a fact the people I grew up with that's what breaks my fucking heart. As I look about them now, and it's maybe somebody you've not seen in 10, 12 years, but you look at that person, you're like, fuck me, the talent that I couldn't had. Mm-hmm. And now he's hit the booze, he's hit the gear, or maybe some of them took their own fucking life. And yeah. the, the talent these boys had. So if they had, if they had the facilities and the options to go down the routes that they love and the routes that they're good at, then they're gonna they're gonna live a good life. They're gonna fucking fall into their mental health traps. And if he's got, if he's got, if he's in the process, he's got a facility. We've well, right he's now, in the I, process of it, mate. Right now. I, yeah, the last two weeks we've got fucking I don't know what's going on now we've got massive and I've maybe been offered four or five facilities and it's time for me to fucking take a step back and go right what's going to suit me best and, and make it work for there but what kind of facility would you be looking for something it's got a sports hall it's, it's something that you know, as you say can host tennis badminton mm-hmm. for people to come in for that youngsters be... to come in and do that mm-hmm. is that is, is the options there is it the options is it limited? Aye, uh, it? it's always limited. Like the options on the. How does that? How does that work for a charity going in and taking over a facility or getting funding to build? A f- is it fucking aye, astronomical? Is aye, it? there's a big process to it. So, but as long as you're a registered um, organisation, so mm. if you yourself and a couple of your couple of your team or whatever started a charity, you'd need a constitution, which is all your all your laws of what you're going to do and what you're planning on doing and stuff. After you've got that. It's pretty much just networking and tying in with the right people, and then you need to go through people make Glasgow communities right. who pretty much work with the council. So the council will have they'll have a map of Glasgow, and you can go on the map, and there's places that are available. Aye, that the council will gear up, so you can pretty much go to them and say, "I'm looking to an asset transfer for here," right, and yeah. as long as you can have everything in place your funding blah 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 the right business plan because that's what they want for you unfortunately is a business plan how the fuck are you going to keep this going that's it so you need to make it happen and uh, there's it can take up to 10 years for a full asset transfer because oh, uh, aye, aye. so that you could be in the building within a couple of months but whether you get the full transfer it could be years and years and years do you know what I mean because there's still a lot of work to do mm-hmm. 
But for me, the now there's the options I've got are immediate, so I could get into some of these buildings pretty much immediately. But most of them don't suit my my preferences for what you want to do. The size of the holes, I that that is the main the main hit when them all the holes are all too small. Right, and we can't do like multi-purpose sports. We can't deliver, but we want to deliver. But I also want to introduce a lot of MMA and stuff as well. So we do need a lot of a space. big variety of stuff Aye. for people to come in and. Mm-hmm. As you see, MMA, we were talking just before the podcast started about MMA and how po- popular it's became and getting young men and women into like combat sports, MMA, taking their say taking their, 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 their energy or their frustrations or their stresses in life and direct them into something more positive mm-hmm. and I say supervised and managed and where you can build community and, and and look after yourself is massive and it should mm. be somewhere that like yourself a, a sport like that has got to teach a lot of things about discipline oh. about yourself and it, to massive. bring them in at a young age mate and actually have that as an option I think it's amazing that's, that's what I really really want and what I truly believe it brings is discipline and it also brings a brotherhood if you notice like a lot of these people that a lot of them in the scheme have to go like maybe a mother or a father or, and that's why they're maybe acting out the way they're and that's why they're on the drugs they drink or they're fucking running about stabbing people or whatever mm-hmm. they've not got that outlet they've not got a brotherhood they've not got people around they're them they're models we were aye, talking about aye, exactly and it, it teaches a type of discipline that you'll never ever get anywhere else and that's what I really want so I know if we bring up disciplined kids in our scheme they're going to make something else they're, just yeah. got, they're going to do it they're, that's what it's all about it's down to us to fucking give them the platform and what, no, what, what, what you got to do then just wait out for a, something to come up and just bide your time and, and what, do you, what do you do without the, having the, the base without having a base it, it can be awkward but we've got we've got a lot of stuff on where we can meet you know what I mean so over the last couple of weeks a lot of people have been open to me that you can use anywhere in Paul but I, I can use any any building in that so I can it's, it, it's open for us we've got a lot of options now so we're not really stuck in what we need to do if we need space, we'll get space. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's that, that's so it's just like little excursions and Aye. do you run it on, online? Do you like to start like on a on a group on Facebook, a Facebook group? I had a WhatsApp group, um, which had a website or whatever. Uh, you've got a page because obviously, Aye. and this is where everything's directed. So just Aye, so so where people would be able to find it and. I go on to, so most of my stuff will go on Facebook, you know, just Sports Forever Foundation on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. But um, I had a WhatsApp group for all the, the trips and all that, but I had to leave it because there was too many in it and there was too many people contacting me separately rather than just talking through the group chat and stuff. Yeah. Right, so I just went back to social media of it all because I was dealing with too many people personally and stuff. So How are you finding that, mate? Dealing it with yourself? I guess the vision will be to bring a team in who's got to obviously help you manage mm-hmm. all this aye well I, I've brought a team in now but it's just about me getting the money in now so it's just all about getting the funding in and then building the team do you know what I mean so who's, who's in within your team and what's, uh, what's happening well we've got we've got quite a lot now man it's like we've got a trauma two trauma therapists right. who, who will work specifically with me like what I'll do is we're going to have a programme where we deal with like they deal with this potential in me they deal with like 30 families in there so we're going to join up in a programme and what it's going to be is they go to houses today want to one therapy but right. there's a lot of people that are just struggling to leave a house so what I offer them is we'll take them to the gym take them to badminton tennis 
take them to the devil's pool pit for a day or whatever. So yeah, seeing as we're about Davies, uh, we offer that as a King David support. Know what I mean? So that's that's where we're going in the route of that way with the therapist. Um, get a few others on the team. Get get a chef on the team. Get a boxer on the team. That's um, good, mate. That's a big two fairy. Uh, the boxer, the I've chef. Got a, I've got a couple of sports coaches and stuff that all want involved. I've got PE teachers. I've got I've got a good, good. network of getting it going, and they're all really really nice people who really really want to help. But I'm on a very fortunate spot for not having much funding and the amount of people that want to help us. It's mm-hmm. it's it's unbelievable. So. Uh, yeah, I'm loving it where it's going to be what's honest what's the routes to then get funding to obviously grow aye aye so is that hard is it aye I find it hard because I feel it's like why do you think that's hard doing the government are tight are the government are skin or they, they is, have it, is it it's who you know aye who's going to take I don't know what I say it too much but <laughs> I'll, say, I'll say <laughs> <laughs> is it who you know because I think, I'm that, in the game I think that's life uh, it's networking and mm-hmm. who you know. Uh, that is it. It gives you it opens doors, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Well, there's 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 people that tell me what I want is no possible. Right? What I want is a a fully functioning sports hall that runs fucking seven days a week. People say you'll burn yourself out seven days a week. No, I won't, because people need support seven days a week. And so they are. So mm-hmm. <laughs> that is the thing. I would love to have a facility to go to seven days a week. So if I would love it, I hope all of us would love it. So yeah. pe- people are trying to tell me the way to live my life. Like you're going to burn out. You're going to this. You're going to that. But you never lived my life. You don't know what the fuck. I, I won't burn out. This was in my natural life. I used to fucking be twenty four hours a day anyway. So yeah. Yeah. Who's telling you this, mate? Just oh, so many people, man. So yeah. many people. They're burning you've, out. You've, in fact, if you found this hard, like hard starting this charity, and how uh, you found the the feedback, or how I, have you found it? I found it extremely fucking difficult, and it's came, it's came for the for people do it for doing something so positive. Mm-hmm. And it's came for the it always comes for the people within. Mm-hmm. It doesn't come for outside. It was the people within the group, or within my fucking close circle that yeah. that had something to say about what I'm doing, or maybe I I think that's what holds most of his back is mm-hmm. it's our inner circle it's the aye. people who are closest to us and when they have their say or whatever then you end up getting back into your shell it's mm-hmm. rising above it and have it as you've made clear mate this is your purpose this has gave you mm-hmm. a focus in life it's saved my fucking life and that's what I'm trying to tell people that where I was I wasn't in a good place and for the when I started this this is when I started changing as a person so fucking let me be do you know what I mean mm-hmm. the amount of people that are going Go back to work, go back to work, quit your job, start a plumbing company, quit your job, start a... I'm like, what? You're not living my fucking life, man. Stop then you can me. start seeing this is how all the issues may be the way I've been all my aye, life. Aye, and, it, and it's mental how they can just jump straight back on it. And see the amount of times it's got into my head again, and I have jumped back to work, and the amount of fucking shit I've missed out on with my, with my charity, and how, how depressed I got again, like how much of a bad place I go in again when I start working. Mm-hmm. I initially start working and... It like hits Friday and I'm thinking about boozing again. Yeah. I'm like, what the fuck? I've not thought about boozing in years, man. Know what I mean? It's because you get you get back into that old programming belief aye, system, aye. working seven whatever five days a week and getting out and getting pissed on a but Friday. See some of these people actually sat me down and went, "How have you done this? What have you done? Where are you going with this? Are you going to have a future with this?" They would have all the fucking answers. Yeah. But they don't want to ask that. They just want to tell me go back to work. Get back to work. No, you're fucking about get back to work. Or even just go and get a go. Doesn't aye, work out. Aye. And fuck it. Fucking carry me for a few months, man. It's gonna work out. Hey, but aye, that's it, mate. It's, it was just a struggle because see if you're not earning money 
and people out there will know this if you're not in the money you feel like a worthless piece of shit I always, I always say that mate. people say money doesn't bring you happiness but we live in a society where you need fucking been, money to it's live it's been programmed and it is uh, you need money to uh, live to uh, do things to eat to fucking uh, have a roof over your head to mm-hmm. do the things <laughs> that you want I, you want to do in life so money does make you happy because it yeah, it allows you to go and do things in life and that live comfortably and it's yeah. unfortunately we live in a fucking system where money rules everything mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it's not it's, it's obviously unfortunate that the world is the way it is obviously you see fucking not just within the poverty within our country and our schemes mate if you look further afield like fucking Africa and all that you're like uh, it's, fucking it's madness do you know, know what I mean but it, I guess it is what it is isn't it but then I, I, I like to watch a lot of wisdom and I, I like to watch a lot of wise men and older men mm. I like to listen to what they've got to say because they've been there they've done it they're at the end of the road and they've got the right advice for us and every single bit of advice I always see is it's like that boom click of the fucking fingers so that said what I like to say to people I'm like I bring it up to people I'm like think of the last 10 years says I guarantee you it was like fucking just a click of the fingers yeah. and, and they think about it and they go it was and I'm like, how have you not get any urgency to do anything about your life? Like, see me, I'm like, well, fuck, I wake up every day, man. I'm like, I need to do something, need to do something. I've just got this urgency about me that it might annoy people around me, but I don't know why I've got it. I've just got a fucking urge, man. I just, I can't sit about I feel like I've not got much time. So it is, no, mate, it's, well, you, I'm 36 this year, and I'm like, say I've to 70, it's half my life. Nice it's gone, it's been like that. Ah, yeah. As you said, mate, I've, that's, Gave me a self-realisation just thinking about oh, that because like, I know it. that it's a great driver to know that you are going to fucking die one day mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's just having that realisation you're not going to like, you're not going to be here forever Aye. so you have to get two options Aye. aren't you you're a fucking garden day son or you just let your Aye. life pass away pass and away that's away. it done see exactly that. and uh, there was this quote man and it, f- it hit me like a ton of bricks right in the peak of when my pal Kilty's selling that and it was like every man lives two lives and the second life begins when he realises he only has one it's true, mate. And with that, mate, I was like, whoa, man, all the damage I've done to my body, all the gear I've been taking, all the fucking booze I've been swallowing. I was like, I've done this to this one body, I don't get another fucking body. Oh, you don't. Do you know what I mean? So it clicked, it just hit me like a fucking. I think, I think it's like, when it does click, is you need to no blame yourself mm-hmm. because everything that you've done. It's not been your fucking thoughts, it's mm. not been your beliefs, they've mm. all been put there by society. <laughs> by your mum, your dad, the school system, by how things then operate once we leave school, get a job, and what's the full social thing? You work all week and you go out for a drink at the mm-hmm. weekends, we go out for a drink, which made available to you, fucking drugs. <laughs> so it's no, it's people understand that when you do fucking wake up or whatever, don't blame yourself. Because you've actually just woke up and realised, fuck me, look at all that damage I've been doing to myself, but it's. Being fucking forced at you, mate. Mm-hmm. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Aye, and a lot of people are in, end up in autopilot, isn't it? So as soon as you're on that wee road, you just get into a fucking autopilot. And if, yeah. if nothing ever happens to you, that's what happens with your kind of with trauma. Like you can go into just straight autopilot with trauma. So if you deal with trauma and you know something bad's happened to you in the past, then. What's I it been like being amongst that working with trauma? Is it trauma therapist? You work Aye, with? well, see, uh, people are saying to me, man, you're going to get your own mental health through this and all that, and you'll not believe it fucking helps me. Uh, it helps me helping them. Mm-hmm. It really, really does. Like, for some reason, I get some sort of gratification at a fucking sitting in the fire with them and helping them and giving them my advice and the fact that they actually want to sit with me and share with me, do you know what I mean? So, no, nah, I mean, it has... Uh, if anything it motivates me 
to help them there and get and get them the facilities that they deserve, mm-hmm. and that is it. I think the best way, like for me personally, mate, when I was tell like come out and say I'm, I was addicted to gambling, I was a gambler and, mm-hmm. and all this, so I felt a million times better, mate. Uh, it felt as if things started healing within myself, mm-hmm. and I could go on that path to obviously getting better. Aye. Like I guess I don't know the full ins and say with trauma and that but I can imagine it's the same thing when people actually speak to somebody about what's happened to them in the past mm-hmm. or what they're dealing with it's that sense of fuck there's a weight lifted off my shoulder I'm not dealing with just this fucking thing it's pattern uh, about mm-hmm. in my head but even yeah. sometimes a lot of people haven't really they, they couldn't pinpoint what the trauma is or they couldn't pinpoint what the memory yeah. is or right. so like even just working with a the therapist it, it, it gets are they good are they uh, bring it out them oh they're amazing man they yeah, uh, amazing what they do. But they, she likes to do it one to one so that they don't, because there's nothing worse than fucking explaining everything out there. And then you can go away and feel very guilty after you've done that. Do you know what I mean? Mm. For example, like if you're on a podcast or whatever and you spill your story, you can go away feeling fucking, oh, that's rough. Know, I don't know if I'm ready to tell I let that, that go or whatever. Aye. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people maybe get a lot of guilt as well when they share their story. So it's, it's good to share one to one. See how you feel after. Sometimes they don't really need to go right on the story. You can just you can work on things that like the water therapy that that's made me grow as a person so fucking much that it's unbelievable that now I can maybe talk about my trauma more or I can work on things more. So yeah, working with a therapist maybe they might get you to do activities that might make you a bit str- like your your emotional strength a bit stronger for you to then get to that level. Do you get me? Yeah. So I they're very very one to one based, which is amazing very very confidential so it's amazing that's part of your your obviously your programme as well Mm -hmm. mate Mm it sounds if there's a lot of good stuff in there a lot of good trips a lot for people to heal themselves Mm -hmm. where can they where would the best place for people to find you who are struggling mate where would Uh, just on my Facebook just message your Sports Forever Foundation account and uh, get back to you pretty quick either be me or one of the other admins that are on it so and that charity is that open? Is it just open to people within Paul? Because open to anybody who possibly what anybody this at, podcast. Anybody at all is is open to for me. I would never shut it off to certain individuals. The only things that happens is when you get funded in certain areas and you're flinging like a festival there or something. The festivals want pretty much only the people for that scheme there. Mm-hmm. No, but whether whatever I'm delivering, as long as it's helping people mentally, then anybody will have a saying who's gone or what's gone. <laughs> And what's what, if what's the the next steps for you, mate? Hmm. The next steps: keep growing, keep moving forward, keep helping as many people as I can. Put on activities that are going to support people, and I really, really, really want to tie in with the younger generation because I think we're losing them again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe there's a group called MCR who do a lot of mentoring right. for, for young kids. And I seen that they'd sent an email out saying there's 350 kids looking for a mentor, but I, I was I fucking love that. I'm into that. I was like, I like the way you're going with this. So, who's, who's this organisation? Called MCR. Right. Um, did they work with kids? Did they? They must do. Yeah, that's the first I've pretty much heard of them. I actually applied, I applied for them to do the mentoring for them. So right. I would love it. I want to get into that. I know. Get into the schools and see if I, I know for a fact if I can get a hold of some the younger generation. I'll, I'll get them switched on to what we're doing. Right. I have a young boy, he's 12 year old, he goes to St Paul's mm-hmm. and he's inspired by what I do, he fucking loves it and he says his generation are sad, he says they're all sad, they're all cutting cut themselves. Do you think it's, 
a bit of social media and phones mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I because being you're roughly the same age mm-hmm. you never grew up with any of that shit no it was fucking the first phone that I can remember when I was maybe say in high school was a fucking brick Nokia thing Aye, aye. So you weren't the own like fucking no, iPads or that. You were out, you were out, <laughs> you were out playing fucking football day, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. With your mate, like we've already, you're, you were in gangs. You were out roaming about. Mm-hmm. But now I think you're saying kids are fucking stuck to their phones twenty four seven. Addicted and they're seeing everything. Look at TikTok. You're comparing. Oh, you're compared to all compare, them. Comparing aye. it. Uh, the younger generation. That's where you gone. See maybe possibly. Mm-hmm. So what, what do you? What do you? What do you think, mate? It would be how how do we stop this? Is it is it mere education around social media and phones and technology? I, know, I, I think it's a full-on addiction at a young age now. There's no way you're breaking that dopamine hit every time. No, it's that's, that's you know yourself is. and fucking boom TikToks and it's Facebook bro, and Instagram. It's dopamine at young ages, man. See, we're, we're introduced that very young. It's like fucking having a drug at a young age, isn't it? It's, it is. It's, yeah. That's how it works. The drugs play with my hormones and my brains, and mm. so do these fucking so do social media. So massively, there's a lot. There's a, a lot. Of, I think there's a documentary about that as well. Yeah, I just thought about the fucking the dopamine and how it gets you addicted mm-hmm. and gets you hooked in and how they're trying your life. Everything. It's crazy. You fucking speak about it. <laughs> so, so I think I, the younger generation are just stuck with it. So to finish up, mate. If I asked you this last question, if Anyone out there who's watching this podcast today, whether it is MD needs help or it is the younger generation, what's one piece of advice you would give them? Uh, piece of advice, take things slow, take a step back, um, figure out what you, you really, really, really enjoy in life, what, what, what gives you that wee sense of purpose, that wee sense of happiness and break yourself down to nothing, don't be scared to do it. Don't be copying everybody else. Don't just fucking see what your pal's into and copy him. Break yourself down. Look yourself in the mirror. Say, what the fuck do I want out of this life? Because what do you want? What did you used to enjoy as a kid? And where do you want to go with it? Absolutely love that, mate. What did you enjoy as a kid, mate? If we all did that then and brought in our adult life, then all, I'd say all 99% mm-hmm. of our problems would be away, mate. So mm-hmm. absolutely love that. Just want to say thanks very much for coming on the podcast. The, 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 the day, Kieran, no I problem, really mate. appreciate it, mate, and hopefully we can do it again soon. Absolutely. Cheers. Thank you very much, mate. Cheers.